Hello and welcome to Where Do We Begin? I'm Georgia Nanscorn, former Australian hockey player and captain of the Essendon VFLW team. Thanks for that, Georgia. My name is Harper. My co-host is Lockie Hawa. No, he's not here. Forgot about that. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. It's very strange. Uh, hopefully, uh, the podcast is just as good as usual. Uh, you have to listen and find out. Let me know once you've listened. Tell me if the podcast is just as good as its usual high, high standard. Of course, it's with Georgia now scoring the Essendon VFLW captain, best and fairest. A whole lot of amazing accolades. 200 games plus for the Hockey Roos as well. 205 to be specific. He's an amazing athlete, amazing person to chat to. So, uh, it's actually got a bit of a special guest as well this episode, so keep on listening, and I hope you all enjoy it. It should be really good. We reckon we just get straight into it. Let's go! Now, to our listeners, I'll be honest here, uh, the more we have hockey people on this podcast, we haven't had too many, but the more we have hockey people on this podcast, and the more I kind of watch and see stuff about the Hockey Roos, the closer uh, the Hockey Roos become to being my favourite Aussie national team, and this guest is one who's broken all kinds of records for the Hockey Roos, but I've got to say, just moving from hockey to footy, just quickly... Since Lockie's been gone, we may have just quietly become officially an Essendon podcast. We've had so many Essendon players on the show, and this guest uh, might just be the tipping point, really. She's the captain, uh, reigning best and fairest, and a star herself of Essendon's women's team. It's Georgia Nan Scorn. Welcome, Georgia. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, uh, pleasure to have you on. So, uh, obviously, hockey, footy, uh, lots of stuff to cover. Might start off with the hockey side of things because that was kind of the first thing, obviously. So, hockey, bit of – it's not the most uh, kind of most played, most watched sport in the country, obviously. It hasn't got massive exposure. Um, mm-hmm. It's not tiny, but still. So, uh, and you started playing hockey when you were about five, I believe. So, how, like, why did you want to become like this Australian national hockey player from such a young age when it's not really the most kind of, uh, not many kids dream about being a hockey player, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, so I got into to hockey through my my parents, um, which I think is probably one of the most common routes for, for hockey players. It's it's a family connection. So my mum played hockey, currently still does play hockey, uh, and my dad was the the manager of the team. So, um, yeah, I was pretty much from from the moment I was born was down at her club um, around, around the team and with a stick in hand and as soon as I could walk was hitting balls around. And uh, so I think it was just a natural progression for them to put me uh, into into a hockey hockey team. So yeah, when I was five, I joined the Essendon uh, hockey club in the, in the under nines, um, and, and pretty much took it from there. But yeah, I think, I think most hockey players is probably either family or, or maybe through school or through friends. Um, and yeah, mine was def- definitely my parents uh, got me in and, um, yeah, I ran with it. Yeah. Um, we spoke to the legend, Alison Annan about fairly similar things. So did you get to watch much of the Hockey Roos and the Kookaburras even uh, growing up? Yeah, not not really, to be honest. As you say, it's not one of those sports that are on TV every weekend. Um, they're trying to still trying to grow it now um, to get on TV a little bit more. But there wasn't a huge amount of exposure. So, um, yeah, it, it was probably more of just it was a sport that um, my parents played. I've started and I really enjoyed it and um, obviously being aware that you could go and play for Australia and go to an Olympics and stuff was um, was something that, yeah, it, it was quite a, um, yeah, a little carrot at, at dangling at the end there, but it certainly wasn't the, uh, the, the thought when I first started playing. It was just something that I loved to do and, um, yeah, it all sort of took off from there. Yeah, and a little fact that's been said in just about every interview you've done that I've heard, uh, you've made your Hockey Roos debut a day after your 17th birthday. So yeah. obviously uh, playing for the national team at kind of such a young age, what, what were the skills that you had? Uh, I'm not really a hockey expert, but what were the skills that you had uh, that made you uh, so noticed at such a young age? I'm probably still asking that myself really, but um <laughs> Oh, I was always a good team player. I um, through through back back through playing with the boys. So I played with the boys up until um, under 15s, and 
Um, at that stage, I was, I was playing a pretty central role in the midfield. Um, you know, my passing was one of my strongest abilities and being able to bring my teammates into the game. Um, and I guess, yeah, playing against the boys then and then playing with women. I think I was 14 or so when I jumped up to playing against um, women at, at quite a high level. I was um, always able to hold my own, I guess, against people that were a lot uh, older and more experienced with me. Um, I joined the the VIS, I think I was 15 or so, and then um, sort of once you're in that environment, you have people looking at you. And I think it was a camp when I was yeah, 15 or 16 that the Australian coach was actually at and he must have seen something, a little spark in me or something that he, he quite liked. And, um, yeah, it kind of all, all went from there. It was still a, a, a huge shock um, to be picked at that age. As as you said earlier, it was um, a dream from pretty pretty early on to play for Australia, but um, I never expected it to be uh, at the age of you know, 16, 17. Um, it was pretty left, left field, but um, very exciting none, nonetheless. Yeah, and finding out about the call-ups, you're on the tram to Melbourne Central. Yeah. Right you get, get the email, <laughs> flick out your phone or whatever. And yeah. Get off the tram, meet your mum, and just kind of this outpouring of emotion of her. Yeah. That's pretty special, hey? Yeah, it was. Um, as I said, it was, a, it was a bit of a shock. I'd played um, in our national tournament, so played for Victoria in the senior women's team that um, that year. And, and I, to be honest, even trialled for that team as more of a bit of um, for a bit of experience, I, I didn't expect to really get much of a go. Um, still being so young in the senior senior women's team, and um, I obviously did all right and, and showed some some promising signs that the Australian coach identified. And um, yeah, received the email when I was on the tram, and certainly wasn't expecting anything. And uh, yeah, got off and got nearly hit by a couple of cars as I ran across um, across Elizabeth Street um, to Mum and. Yeah, it was it was a pretty big outpouring of emotion and um, obviously thrilled. But yeah, it was um, the start of a pretty big journey after that. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's kind of not talked about too often. Maybe more so now, but especially for young players, the uh, kind of thrill and shock uh, in particular cases of getting a call up for whatever whatever sport, whatever team it is at such a young age. Uh, that's and like being in high school for you, uh, it's yeah, amazing. yeah. Well, it was obviously there was the initial excitement and shock, and and then there was the okay, well, what does this mean next? So as I say, I was still at high school. I was in year eleven. Um, I, the the Australian team is based over in Perth, so initially it was like, well, how are these logistics going to work? Like, am I going to finish school? Am I going to move straight to Perth? These are all the things that we sort of had to start thinking about. And um, the coach at the time, Frank Murray, was very big on, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to make millions of dollars being a hockey player. You, it's pretty important to finish your education and, and get all that right first. So he, he encouraged me to I stayed at school through year 11 and 12 and I was still picked in teams um, to travel away. So I missed about 13 weeks of year 11 and 14 weeks of year 12 um, traveling away with the team um, but was still living in Melbourne and would just fly in, fly out basically. So that itself was a big challenge and um, I was very lucky. I had very supportive school and teachers and and parents as well to get me through that. Yeah, but it's, it's got to be really hard to not have your kind of academic achievement compromised by that kind of thing, like missing – 27 weeks in VCE. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> like uh, not many people do that. And um, yeah, it's just got to be massive challenge. Hey? Yeah, it was. Um, I, I think, I, yeah, I guess a couple of my skills that I do pride myself on and my time management, my organization. And so I was able to to, to balance it reasonably well, um, as well as can be expected in that circumstance. So I took all my books away with me. I was doing um, visual communications um, and design at, at uh, in year 11, 12. So I had like big folios with me with all my stuff. I had to bring all my papers and stuff um, away with me. But yeah, so it was a challenge, but uh, it's something that now I look back on and, and um, I'm quite proud of how I was able to uh, not just get through VCE, but do it quite well, and um, and and while also juggling um, traveling around and playing for for Australia. 
Yeah, looking back on it now, is that the kind of main struggle that you had to deal with through your childhood kind of teenage uh, years uh, in general? Yeah, I, I guess. Um, yeah, I was yeah sixteen when I was first selected, um, and and so you do miss out, I think, on a lot of those teenage years. Uh, you know, the the eighteen. Um, the 18th, the 21st, so I was away and missed a lot of those. The school, um, you know, proms or whatever, I, I miss miss those as well. But um, they're all the little sacrifices you make, and and in the end, um, I, I wouldn't give any of that up for the opportunities that I like I got to have. I think if you asked um, most people whether you'd like to travel the world playing the sport you love, or you know, going out and and having an 18th party um you know most most would would jump at the opportunity to to um yeah get to travel around and, and experience those those sort of things so um certainly no regrets uh with that i'm very fortunate for, for those opportunities mm, and being traveling around from such a young age being in this kind of world-class elite environment one of the best teams in the world in australia of course that that's got to be a huge pressure, and being around all these women that are like adults, and you're you're still a teen teenager. Um, again, that's got to be pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. Um, it was probably as I sort of mentioned earlier. To I, I started playing against women at quite a young age. I actually played hockey with in my mum's hockey team um, when I was. Um, you know, in my early teens, and so from from an early age, I was used to playing against and playing with um, people a lot older than me. So I think when I did make that jump uh, into the hockey rooms, it wasn't so much of a shock that um, that everyone was, you know, that much older. And, again, I, I feel like I've got a pretty, pretty level head and um, probably a little bit older than my years. So uh, I was able to cope, cope all right. And, and um, But, yeah, as you say, it is always quite a challenge and um, I certainly had to grow up very quickly um, moving across to Perth once I finished school at the age of 18 was one of those biggest moments um, where I really had to grow up and probably shaped sort of who I am, who I am now. Um, yeah, and kind of no matter how old you are, I think it's a bit of a challenge living in Perth, not the greatest city yeah. in the world uh, for me. <laughs> but uh, so, kind of uh, obviously uh, traveling the world for your job. Uh, debuting in South Africa, of course. Have you had you done much travelling around the world uh, growing up at all? Yeah, not not really. Uh, a few little family holidays to New Zealand, um, you know, Fiji, those sort of, but nowhere. That was pretty much the furthest I'd ever been. So, uh, yeah, to jump on a plane and, um, and go eight hours, that was the furthest I'd ever been at the time of on eight hours on a plane um, to South, South Africa. And um, I guess the cultural shocks, as well with a, a country like that. Um, I remember messaging dad as I got off the, the plane and we got on the team bus to the hotel and um, I said, like, messaged dad and I got there's a man with a shotgun just sitting on the street. Like, they're these crazy things that, you know, were so completely um, new to something, you know, a 16-year-old who um, hadn't gone that far out of Australia and, yeah, to, to get to do that and experience those things. Um, yeah, I feel very lucky, lucky to have done. I'm really interested in the uh, kind of what it was it was like being in South Africa in 2009. They had the world, the soccer World Cup. Uh, yeah, I'm a big soccer fan. So yeah, what, what was the whole experience and the country like, really? That from your perspective. Yeah. So the yeah the the World Cup was there. So we the stadium it was in Durban. The stadium was there. Um, they had all the merchandise, and there was certainly they were getting up and about. Um, and pretty excited for that. I guess, yeah, as I mentioned, just the cultural change, um, you know, the warnings of not to go around walking at night, um, so, you know, it was all quite quite eye-opening. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was certainly a lot of a, a buzz around with, with the soccer coming up and, um, yeah, just one of the many. <laughs> it was actually a, a tour to South Africa a couple of years later that I um, – they, I had it got um, ATM scammed uh, at it. So a couple of um, we went in with a couple of the girls to the bank, um, little ATM outside the bank, and you know put the card in. And next minute we were approached by two big men um, who told me to put the card back in and um, press a couple of buttons and 
there goes a couple of grand. Um, yeah. So those those complete like you know um, those experiences, uh, yeah, certainly very eye opening and um, yeah, got a few stories to tell from tell from those. Mm. But uh, I'm sure you must have been thrilled with the start, really specifically scoring on debut and. In, in the long term, um, or breaking all kinds of records, like youngest person to 100 hockey roos caps, youngest person to 150 hockey roos caps, uh, all kinds of things. So, is that someone something now that your hockey career is kind of done and dusted? Is that something that you look back on uh, with fondness, or is it just a bit of a just a number, really? Um, oh, it's certainly something I'm very proud of. Um, yeah, scoring on debut, I probably should have stopped there because I didn't score too many after that. It took me a little while to get the next one. But, um, yeah, that's always something. There's only, you know, a handful of players that can say that they've done that. So that's special. Um, and, yeah, the numbers, um, I, I mean, it's probably something now and and as I get older I'll look really look back on and say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm certainly very proud of that and it's um, – yeah, something I certainly never thought that I'd achieve and and it's not when people kind of bring it up and I think I'm, yeah, the, the people bring it up that I really sit back and go, oh, yeah, that was quite, you know, a special thing to say that I've done or for uh, to have achieved. Um, but I think it takes a little bit of that external um, noise for people to actually tell you. You know, that that's that's a great achievement to go. Oh, yeah, no, it actually is. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm sure you know uh, another kind of big achievement. The the Olympics. Uh, I'm sure you know they're coming up. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully, yeah. This year, and some big uh, rumblings going on at Where Do We Begin HQ in terms of the Olympics. Uh, but uh, I'm really interested in kind of the diff- for all the different sports how the Olympics stack up against other tournaments like a world cup for soccer the olympics is kind of nothing compared to the world cup and even compared to stuff like the commonwealth games which is pretty big and the champions trophy which you got in i believe as well so how do they all stack up against each other which what's the biggest for you yeah i mean i think olympics really for any athletes the pinnacle um you know that's yeah, that that that's that's the ultimate goal to win an Olympic gold medal. I think trumps anything else. Um, Commonwealth Games again it, it is a massive achievement, um, but because it's not quite on that same world scale, um, it's never going to be quite uh, up on the same pedestal that an Olympics is. Um, in terms of hockey, probably the World Cup is another one that's um, ranked really highly because of the quality of teams that are in it and. Um, Fortunate enough to win a silver medal at the World Cup, um, as well as the Champions Trophy, um, and then gold at the Com Games. But yeah, I think every athlete would probably tell you that that an Olympics and an Olympic gold is the ultimate pinnacle. And yeah, hopefully it goes ahead this year, and uh, we'll have something to sit back and watch um, on our TVs. But um, yeah, again, it's it's probably one of those things that I don't. Um, fully appreciate until people say oh you went to an olympics that's pretty amazing um to go oh yeah no actually it was and i think because we uh in in london which was the olympics i competed at we we didn't um we didn't medal we um we finished fifth i think because of that little disappointment of not meddling um it's something that maybe i haven't appreciated as much that the fact of actually going was quite fantastic and and as i said it's not till many years later and people um say oh did you go to olympics like, yeah and then oh that's that's pretty cool um yeah yeah actually it was it was pretty cool so um yeah it's i think the reflecting back on it is it's yeah special mm, but, uh, i just assume it's pretty frustrating i know uh in the 2012 olympics uh so you were knocked out on goal difference in the group stage, not getting to the semi-final, and uh, there was a nil-all draw in the last group stage game against Argentina, who finished ahead of you, qualified for those semi-finals. So, yeah, such a fine margin. That's got to be something like if one kind of hit of the ball or whatever you call it went the other way, and or just one tiny piece of luck uh, yeah. switched, you could have been a medalist, gold medalist, yeah. silver medalist, right up there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 that was 
probably why it was so heartbreaking at the time. Um, we our first game against New Zealand was um, they they scored in the first, and obviously New Zealand Australia huge rivalry. Um, they scored in the first few minutes of that game, and we lost one nil. And it was pretty much that slow start that set up our whole whole Olympics. Um, we had a couple of other. Uh, games that we only just won we probably should have won by more um so yeah as you say that a goal here or there or a, you know it could be a centimeter that could have been the difference um between making the the medal rounds and and not so yeah that was um a, a pretty tough pill to swallow and um you know the olympics it only comes around every four years you, you have a lot of like every um, it, it works on an Olympic cycle, like our whole hockey program worked on a four-year cycle. And so it's all building up to that moment and, and for, for you to not achieve um, what you were after in that moment is, is pretty tough. But as I said, it's probably only now reflecting back and um, actually recognising the achievement for what it was to even, to even go there. But, yeah, at the time it was, um, yeah, it was pretty heartbreaking. Does it still play in your mind, the disappointment at all? Uh, what, nine years on? Yeah, probably not so much anymore. As, as I said, um, yeah, it's probably more at the longer it's gone on, you, you recognise the fact that there's not many people that can say they've been to an Olympics. Um, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll certainly be very proud of that. And the fact that we didn't medal doesn't define um, define that or or how my career went or um, how the team, how we look back on the team. Um, of course, it would have been nice to have that one, have that one on the wall with, with a few of the others, but um, it's certainly not a defining defining factor. Yeah, uh, that's good. And I promise we'll get to some more positive things in a sec, but uh, the next Olympics, uh, you've spoken about it personally for you as heartbreaking and it would be for anyone really. So do you want to go into kind of what your experience of that Olympic Games was? Yeah, so obviously 2012, um, I competed and, and um, so then you kind of naturally, and I was 20, 21 at the time, so I guess you naturally think that um, you might get that opportunity again in another four years, you'll be older and hopefully playing better and part of you thinks that that'll happen. Um, so 2016 came along and, um, you know, we were, we were tracking really well as a team and the group was very competitive. Um, and yeah, at the time of Olympic selection, um, I was just on the outer. So, uh, I was, I was picked as a reserve. Uh, we had three traveling reserves who, um, went away, but we didn't stay in the village. So we stayed in an Airbnb outside the village and you could be called upon to play if there was a, 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 t- a tournament ending injury, um, through, through any part of the tournament, which, um, that in itself was, was very mentally challenging. You obviously go away. Um, you have to be switched on and ready to go at any moment. But, uh, you know, ultimately you're, you're waiting on an injury of a teammate to to get a call up. So um, that was a very, yeah, that was probably one of the, the toughest, um, you know, mentally challenging moments uh, of my sporting career to work out how do we go about this Um you know, you've got to you've got to stay up and about and positive, but you're also, you know, hurting, um, and it's hard to watch watch your team playing. And when they lose, you you think, oh, could I have could I have helped? Um, and if they win, you're obviously happy, but you're a bit disappointed that you're not out there. So, yeah, it was um, it was a really tough moment. And I think um, we the the group of us that were on the outside, we we tried to make. Um, the best of the situation and and um, you know and that meant like we were in Rio um, so trying to experience as much of that as we could Um, we're still at an Olympics let's try to experience uh, getting to watch as many sports as we could Um, and we did that and yeah sort of made the best of that that tough situation. At that uh, event were you still like held to really high uh, like account by the coaching staff and stuff, obviously reserves. So uh, you're not in that core squad, but are you, yeah. are physios and all that still kind of checking on your diet and your, how much you're exercising and you're not kind of like 
pigging out all the like nice food in Rio and stuff like that? Yeah, so we we actually stayed um, with the team physiologist. Um, so there were the three athletes, and then she was sort of the one on the outside with us. So, I mean, she um, obviously understood that we were in a really tough position as well. So we had to find that balance between mentally relaxing and then also keeping in good shape to to um, perform if we if we were called upon. Um, yeah, to be like it's hard to expect much of the coaches and the physios and all that at, at that time, because ultimately their focus is on the 16 girls that are playing. Um, so we really did have to take a lot of it on ourselves and be pretty disciplined to, to do all the right things. Um, if we got that call up. So pre-game each game of the tournament, we we had our little group of three and we basically took ourselves for training sessions on the side pitch and, and our running sessions and um, our gym sessions. And, yeah, we had to be pretty self-motivated and self-disciplined to to do it ourselves because, yeah, ultimately we weren't the focus um, and the pretty, all the focus did have to be put into that, those 16 that were that were playing. Um, so it was really upon ourselves to, to do the right things. Man, a situation like that, like you said, it's just got to be so, so hard to – keep your head up, uh, I suppose, and quitting hockey a year later, it was that a big uh, reason why that, that Olympic situation? I know you said you were kind of stopped being uh, excited by the sport, but Olympics specifically, was that a big factor? Um, I don't think it was the defining factor. Uh, it was obviously a really disappointing um, year. It was a tough experience, but uh, I think, you know, we then did have a bit of a changeover in coaching staff and and whatnot in in the year, um, the following year um, after the Olympics. So I hoped that that would sort of reinvigorate my um, passion for hockey. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess it didn't. I think it was probably time for me. Um, it probably been coming for quite a while. And I, yeah, it was it was really just admitting to myself um, that I wasn't as happy as I used to be. And um, I guess the fear of letting down. Um, family, friends who like you know know me as the hockey player and and um, you know and, and want me to achieve and and do all the things, but you know and that that was one of the hardest hardest decisions um, and the fear of letting people down. But uh, in the end, and I'm very, forever thankful to my parents um, and back in, at that time and and still to this day, their biggest thing is for me to be happy and do what's going to make me happy. And um, as once I sort of got that off my chest and felt that stepping away was the best thing for me, I had their full support. And, um, yeah, to be honest, uh, certainly do not regret it at all. Um, haven't really looked back and... Um, yeah, I think once I made that decision, it was a huge weight that was was lifted off. Yeah, not in terms of that decision specifically, but obviously you've uh, on completely uh, different kind of career path now. But is there anything during your hockey career that you think you might have changed if you could have had your time again? Uh, not, not just specifically. I think one of the things I was always told as a hockey player um, and as an athlete, still like. I, I, I was probably quite conservative in a lot. I was afraid of making mistakes. And if I was to go back now and have my career again, I think I would have thrown a little bit more caution to the wind in the way that I played, um, been a little less afraid of making those mistakes, just play with a bit more freedom. Um, yeah, I was. I always played my best when when I was playing free and not worried about things and, and um, just having a crack. And I probably didn't do that for quite enough of, of my career and um it's something i'm i'm trying to really do now now and i'm you know we'll talk about a bit later but going into football and um yeah being an environment that i feel really supported and able to just play with freedom and 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 enjoy myself um yeah if i was to go back to the, the start of my hockey career i probably would have tried to put a little less pressure on myself and just just enjoy it for what it was Mm, yeah, um, that's 
Completely fair enough. And I was having a little uh, dig through the archives and had a, stumbled across uh, a player profile of yours in 2012 uh, from your time in hockey. And you said uh, if you were doing anything else apart from hockey that you'd be doing, you'd be playing some of the sports such as soccer or cricket, but of course, playing footy. Obviously, there yeah. wasn't really a pathway for women yeah. in 2012. Uh, but that's a big step, isn't it? Like a complete jump away from the norm for you. Yeah, uh, well, exactly right. The pathway thing was was probably one of the biggest reasons why I didn't go straight into football. Mum um, always said that if I was born a boy, I would have played footy 100%. Um, and I guess because, yeah, there wasn't that pathway in place back when I was growing up, um, football wasn't really an option for if I wanted to achieve at that, that really high level. So, um, but I always did love having a kick of the footy. Um, we we used to tour um, with the hockey team, with a, with a Sharon, and we'd kick it you know, around at warm-ups. And um, it was always something I really did love. And and um, to be able to now have that opportunity that I'd finished hockey to jump into footy, um, yeah, I feel pretty lucky that I get to do that. Yeah, and uh, it's just kind of living the dream. I suppose it's a bit of a cliche, all the um, AFL women's and uh, women's Aussie rules players say it, uh, whatever level they're at. But is that something, do you think it is a cliche or is it truly for you living the childhood dream, uh, getting to play footy uh, week in, week out as a woman? Yeah, I mean, I think probably my my living the dream was playing hockey for Australia. That that was my ultimate dream. And um, I think now footy's a little bit more of, this is the time I can have a bit more fun and relax just a little bit more. And um, whether it's uh, at AFLW level or VFLW level, um, trying to keep that bit of the let's play for enjoyment, let's play for fun is, is the most important bit. Um, currently at VFL, yeah, as I was talking to you before, um, you know, we still all work full time. Um, play, train twice a week and play on the weekend. So it's certainly not the uh, the glamorous lifestyle of um, you know being a football player for a, for your living. But um, and even the girls and at my time in North Melbourne with AFLW and the, the girls still playing in AFLW, there's very few of them that um, are solely footballers. They're still uh, you know doing all the side stuff to get by. Um, so I think there's we certainly are very lucky to have those opportunities. I think there's still a little way to go before we can fully say that we're playing football for a living and yeah, and that's the that's the dream. Mm, and obviously, like you mentioned, uh, playing at North Melbourne uh, in the AFLW uh, a couple years ago. So I, th- I feel like watching a hockey game. The, you can't really say, oh, she'd be good at footy. Like you, you can't really see like a big kick or something because it just doesn't happen, in yeah. footy, obviously. So yeah. what, what are the kind of skills, traits that saw you um, able to get picked up by uh, the ruse? Yeah, it's still a bit of a um, an interesting one of how that even even came about. Um, I Once I stopped playing hockey, I decided that I'd go play sport again for the love of playing sport and that was – to go play football and I was um the plan was just to play club football over in Perth where I was still living and um before I'd sort of even made that public I got a message on Facebook from the North recruiter saying hey any chance you want to come play football and he's very good at his job I think he um had done a little bit of research and at that stage and still in the the first couple of years of AFLW um people recruiters were looking for I guess, elite athletes rather than elite footballers um, with the hope of being able to train the football stuff in. But to have those, uh, the elite mindset and, um, you know, the professional attributes uh, in training, that was all going to be something that they were looking forward to to bring in um, to their team. I guess in terms of uh, skills that could transfer, uh, I mean, I'm a, a... relatively I'm you know 160 centimeters quite small short uh close to the ground um in hockey you're always in that bent over sort of position so for me uh being good at ground balls in football that's sort of pretty transferable um any sports where you've got a bit of hand-eye coordination uh, is always going to help as well but in terms of the actual footy skills like kicking and you know handballing marking that was something that they kind of had to take a bit of a 
a risk on and and hope that they could develop that um, down the track. Did they bring you on for a trial before they officially signed you up? I'm guessing sure they would have, yeah? Yeah, not really, to be honest. Um, I I flew over before they signed me, more just to sort of tour the club to meet them in person. Um, I I remember we had a a kick on the basketball court, so I had like casual shoes on and we just had a real casual kick of the footy. Turns out, so um, Laura Kane, who is uh, at North Melbourne as um, one of the high up operations managers, she actually coached me for my couple of games at uni high um, in the school footy uh, competition. So she knew a little bit of that I had some sort of uh, football ability, and I think she might have had a little bit of a word to the recruiter and um, said that I've got, I've got something to work with. Um, but yeah, it was more, more the chat, more that, you know, they were really keen on recruiting good people, um, uh, and I guess good athletes and, um, yeah, it was more the character chat, I guess. And, and, uh, they kind of took that little bit of a risk and yeah, went from there. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, and there's a bit of a video, uh, on YouTube of you and a couple of other hockey roos from like 11 years ago, like this blurry yeah. video of having to kick on some yeah. random hockey Yeah, in Argentina, yeah. I think that was, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they did a bit of scouting from that. But, Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, were you fully, like completely retired any more hockeys out of the question at that stage or was it still high atus? Um, at that stage, I was still sort of on a break um, and then I don't think I officially retired till – a bit later in 2018, I think it was about six months or so after, after I sort of stepped away from the team. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think in my mind, um, you know, the retirement decision was then just something that I had to do to like officially get like put it to the side. But in my mind, I don't think, um, yeah, I would was ever going to go back to to hockey at that level. Um, and I was pretty pretty happy to to move on um, and try something else. And you, I guess you're kind of on the hunt for jobs at that stage because professional hockey player, but now obviously there's not much uh, full professionalism going on in women's footy at this stage. Yeah, so I was um, I I started working uh, in the hockey program. I was essentially a full time athlete. Um, I didn't really work until my last year that I was in the program and at that stage I was working in a bakery, um, you know, getting up at five o'clock in the morning and I was doing some making cakes and um, as a pastry cook. Uh, And so that was my first taste of working life basically. Um, And then I finished playing hockey, moved back to Melbourne with um, when, when I got the opportunity with, with the kangaroos and um, moved back. My, all my family was still here. So that, that worked out really well. And yeah, and then it was well. Football's not going to support me. Um, I haven't haven't made millions of dollars playing hockey. So yes, got to go see what uh, what what what, I, what I'm going to do for work. And um, and yeah, the opportunity popped up to sort of jump into a bit of hospitality. And um, yeah, sort of ran with that. And um, yeah. Diving back into hockey just for one sec, um, we we spoke about how hockey's kind of not really widely watched in Australia and being a professional uh, women's athlete, uh, how, how does um, kind of Hockey Australia get the money to pay all you guys as professionals? Well, it's through, through all the sports commission. So because it's an Olympic sport, there's um, a lot of funding through the sports commission to hopefully win a gold medal at the Olympics. Um, and so that's where that's where most of that came from. Um, we're fortunate enough to get some grants through through the Sports Commission that uh, if you were smart with, you were able to sort of manage manage the money. Um, and it was enough to, yeah, enough to get by, a buy, on, buy on if you were, uh, if you were smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, going back to kangaroos, a bit back out of hockey. So being in this, uh, like, really good team at the time, uh, yeah. in the mix for a premiership, Having never really played the sport at any kind of decent level, uh, yeah, from like taking speckies with your dad in the lounge room, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, it's oh, that's the pressure of that, it's got to be enormous. Um, kind of 
coming into this, I guess there are a few people like you coming from other sports, but still the pressure's got to be huge. Yeah. Um, when the decision to go to the Kangaroos was made, there are actually a couple of other clubs that um, that were interested as well. So I think football clubs start to talk and, yeah, there are a couple of other recruiters that, that messaged me as well. And um, so it was a bit of a, a toss-up as to, to where I'd go. And at that stage, I sort of catch a little bit of wind of North Melbourne that they were going to recruit pretty heavily and, and get a pretty star-studded um, team. And, and yeah, that, that was part of the decision. Do I, do I go to a, a club that is going to be really, really strong and I'm going to have to, you know, compete against the best to get a game? Or I could maybe go to a club that's not quite as strong and maybe get a game a bit easier. Um, and, yeah, in the end, I, I, I wanted to go and put myself against the best and really challenge myself. And, um, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of pressure to – but there's also not pressure. Like, I'm, I'm no one was really expecting much of me. Like, I haven't really played. Like, anything's kind of a bonus. So, um, yeah, in the end, it was about, yeah, going to a, a different environment, seeing how another elite sport operates and um, getting to, to – to train and play a couple of games alongside some of the best players in the competition. Um, yeah, just got to be grateful for that opportunity. Do you mind saying who those clubs were, a couple of those other clubs that were interested in you, or has that got to um, down? Yeah, I, I spoke to – initially I spoke to Melbourne and to to the Bulldogs. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, the recruiters got on and, um, you know, everyone tries to pitch what's going to be best for you and, and um, yeah, and it's just about weighing up at the time. Um, there's no, I guess, you don't know until you actually make one of those decisions which which one's going to be the best. And, yeah, in the end I decided to go with the ruse and, um, yeah, got to be grateful for that opportunity. Big decision not to go with your the team you support though, Melbourne. Hey? Oh, I know. Yeah, I think um, part of Dad was you know, my dad's a Melbourne supporter <laughs> and I'm a Melbourne supporter. So, I mean, that would have that would have been nice as well. I think. Um, yeah, it's as I said at the time that they're, they're, they're all trying to offer you different things, and um, you know, I, I play and my my family live in North Melbourne. Um, the Arden Street was less than a k down the road. Uh, you know the it was quite appealing to to go to a club that, you know, I knew a lot of the the really, um, you know, some of the best players in the competition would be going to. Uh, yeah, it's all they they throw a lot of the recruiters. They throw a lot of things out at you, and it's at the yeah, just trying to put them all together and work out what's going to be the best um, best option for you. And and as I said, you don't really know until you actually make one of those decisions. And uh, yeah, you just got to run with whichever one you you, you do take. And uh, eventually uh, being cut by the ruse, unfortunately, do you feel uh, that you're a bit hard done by obviously being in a good team but not really getting much of a shot at it? You played a couple of games, but that was it really, and then you were gone. So do you feel yeah. it's a bit unfair on you? Um, oh, I've got some mixed emotions with, with that experience. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't feel disappointed with any of the, what I put into it. Um, you know, I, I, I gave it my absolute all. Um, still to this day, they, they say that, you know, I was one of the hardest workers that, that they've seen and, and coming from that elite environment, that was something that I knew that I could really bring. Um, I didn't have as much of the football knowledge or, or skill, but, you know, the um, I had the work ethic and and I think the only bit that really um, I felt a little bit let down by was that I was there willing to put more more time in and and wanting to improve and I didn't feel that I was maybe supported as much as I could have to improve in that way um but you know that's that's just the way it is that's the learning experience um as I say I'm I'm grateful for that opportunity to to even have had it um and I certainly learned a lot from that that time and um I guess in in that door closing it um, opened up another one with with Essendon, and and um, that's one that I yeah really run with. And Essendon, obviously my team, uh, <laughs> VFLW. It's the uh, kind of highest level for Essendon at the moment. I obviously not having yeah. an AFLW team. Um, yeah. Th- so what what's the culture of VFLW team like compared to 
and AFLW team, neither of them completely professional, obviously, but yeah. AFLW a step down. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, that was part of the appeal in a way for me to go to to a club that only had a VFL team. Not saying only is a bad thing, but yeah, there wasn't that pressure of the the AFLW. Um, I you know had been in this high pressure sporting environment for ten years. Um, I you know was quite keen just to go somewhere where yeah I could really just play for fun and relax a little bit and maybe not be so strict with everything I did, which I had been for most of my life. And um, so, yeah, it was uh, still a, a, a quite an elite culture, but but also just that little bit of a step back and, yeah, let's relax and let's have a little bit more fun and, and um, not be so hard on myself to take things so seriously. And I think in the end that's why I thrived in that environment in, in 2019 and I've heard uh, winning the best and fairest that year obviously and you knocked back some offers to go step back up to the AFL W mm. uh, level and I'm guessing that's just because you want to stay at this kind of more chilled out environment of the VFLW I presume yes that's that's pretty much it um, after after having a, a good season um, yeah a couple of the teams came knocking again and and yeah, I had to weigh up like, why am I doing this? Am I am I playing to try to play AFLW again and get a bit of that profile back and you know try to play at the absolute elite, or am I actually really just happy in an environment that I know is really supportive of me, that um, really values what I've done, um, that I'm really happy in, and and that season was sort of the happiest I'd been playing sport in a very long time, and. And at that stage, I was like, well, why Why do I want to give that up um, uh, for the unknown of going to another club? You know, I, I, I'm still the, the Essendon program. I think the coaches are excellent. The, um, you know, the facilities, particularly now with the hangar, um, you know, are amazing as well. Like in terms of that, it actually wasn't much of a step down. I didn't feel from an AFLW club and, it just was that little bit removed pressure and, um, yeah, and, and I was keen just to sort of keep, I guess, the good good vibes. You know, I was, I was, I was happy and, and why, why would I give that up? And, again, I'll be told off by some of the listeners if I don't ask this, but who were some of those teams in, in for you at AFLW level in 2019? Uh, it was, I, think, I think Melbourne might have come back again and, um, <laughs> yeah, there, there was Collingwood and, uh, there, there are a couple of others, but you know, you don't know. I, to be fair, I actually shut it, shut the thoughts down quite quickly, and so um, you don't know how genuine those interests are. I think there was sort of there'd be the initial chats, and then they would weigh up whether you're sort of the right fit for the program. But uh, where my mindset was at that stage, it all, um, yeah, I, I, I did shut it down pretty quickly, and um, was was pretty set on on just staying with Essendon at that time. And uh, we've spoken about AFLW expansion a bit off air, and it's a big topical uh, issue at the moment. Mm. So are you planning to stay with the Bombers until they get a team in, uh, well, by 2023? Yeah, so obviously we're, we're, we're pretty hopeful that we might get a, a licence by the end of 2022, so um, for that that next following season. Um yeah, I mean, and that that's the decisions that are going to have to be made sort of at the end of the year. Um you know, I'm pretty happy with the season that I've been having so far, and and but I've also really loved uh, the opportunity to get to be a leader at Essendon this year, uh, which is probably something that I wouldn't maybe have got if I'd gone to another AFLW club. Um, so I'm really, really enjoying getting to to develop that part of my game and um, I guess me as a person. So yeah, with the thoughts of a, a license coming, hopefully in the next year or so, uh, it's very tempting to. To, to stay with the group. But, uh, yeah, they're just decisions that will have to come at the end of the year. Right now the focus is on um, winning this week, hopefully, and, um, you know, we've still probably got to win a couple of the last couple of games to to make finals. So um, we're just trying not to get too far ahead of ourselves. 
and the people who are against are against the AFLW fully expanding. Uh, firstly, then mostly all have uh, teams that are already in the AFLW, but their whole argument usually is that the talent pool is going to be too diluted. Is that something that you agree, disagree with? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's certainly a very valid point. Um, if you're going to bring in another two, three, four teams, that's another you know, a couple hundred girls that you have to find who are up to the level. Um, so it certainly is one of the, the reasons that's completely valid as to why it hasn't expanded so quickly. Um, but we are seeing more and more talent coming through, the um, the girls that are coming through the pathways now and who are 18 playing in the NAB, NAB series, uh, you know, their skill is, uh, you know, incredible. So um, it's not going to take long for those that talent to come through and I, I believe for the teams to to be filled, um, yeah, and, and to be able to compete at a really strong level. And before we get into the final question for the main chat, mixing it up a bit, something that we haven't really asked before on the show, but is there anything that we haven't really covered that you'd like to open up on or say at all? Um, no, not, not particularly. I mean, we're, we're pretty comprehen- comprehensively uh, covered the sporting life, I think. Yeah, the the longer I've gone on, the more it's about yeah trying to find you know the doing what makes you happy, um, the enjoyment in things. Um, you know whether that's in sport or even you know in my working life at the moment too. It's like, well, am I am I actually passionate about this? Am I is it making me happy? Am I enjoying it? And if it's not, well, you know then you've got to sort of assess these things. So um, I think yeah through through my hockey experience and now moving into footy. Um, and, and as I said, with the, with the support of my family and uh, as well, I think the biggest thing for me is, is just to do what's going to make you happy. And, um, yeah, I'll sort of try to carry that through, through with whatever I do now. And you kind of covered it there, but I've got to ask it because we always ask it at the end of the show. Uh, is there a kind of life philosophy that you go by? I can kind of tell that you don't really do things by half measures really, uh, from what I've gained from this chat, but have you got a kind of uh, mantra or anything that you make all your decisions by and like guide your decisions? Yeah, I, I think as you said, it's pretty much touched on um, to do what that something that will make you happy, something that you enjoy, and and if and as you said, I probably don't do things by halves. If I commit to something, I commit to it pretty hard, and um, yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to to live your life. If you're going to go for it, go for it, and um, and then. Yeah, do 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 something that makes you happy. Yeah, I like that. that that's good stuff. Uh, always good to end the show on a bit of, with a bit of deep thinking, but it's not quite the end of the show, of course, because at the very end, we, of course, have the Where Do We Begin quiz. We're actually going to record this quiz in a couple of days, but for you people at home listening to the show, it's going to feel like no time for everyone's Favourite part of the show, of course, the Where Do We Begin quiz, Georgia. Are you pumped up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we have got a special, special guest, like I mentioned in the intro. It's Scott from the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, my favourite Bombers podcast going around. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Thank you so much. Uh, good to be here. Um, I'm always nervous on quizzes because I'm not historically <laughs> good at them. Uh, but we'll see how we go, but it's all in the, uh, it's all in the spirit of fun. Yes, of course. Uh, it doesn't really test uh, really useful knowledge, this kind of quiz, but it's a bit of fun anyway. So I uh, hope you guys both go well. It's a bit of a big build-up to this, so I hope it's actually worth the wait. I doubt it will be, but anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll get into question one. Uh, so, of course, your name's your buzzer. Five questions, all vaguely related to Georgia and her life and career. So- So question one, your name's your buzzer. So uh, am I correct in saying, Georgia, 27th of May, 92 is your birthday? Yes, you've, you've done your stalking well. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, another thing that happened on the 27th of May, 92. So Uncle Charlie Osborne, a musician and fiddler from the Appalachian Mountains of Southwest Virginia, died on the 27th of May, 1992. So... What more well-known instrument is the fiddle actually the same instrument as? Georgia. Georgia. Violin. Correct. Nailed it. Well done. Good stuff. 
Uh, of course, Uncle Charlie Osborne. Doubt either of you two have heard of him. Uh, I haven't myself. Had to do a bit of deep digging. Uh, died at 101, so lived a pretty good life, old Charlie. Good evening. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Very good innings. And I, I made the fatal mistake of doing half an hour research on Essendon history here. So not, <laughs> and not Fiddler history. So, uh, but, yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I think you might have just wasted uh, 30 minutes there, Scott. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, if anyone accosts you on the street asking you for a fun fact about Uncle Charlie Osborne, he actually played a right-handed fiddle with his left hand. So there you go. Fun little Talented fun. Anyway, man. Talented, talented man. Uh, we'll move to question two. So this is the closest to the pin question. Georgia, uh, we mentioned uh, in our interview that uh, when you found out about your call-up for the hockey ruse, you were on your way on the tram from Olympic Park to Melbourne Central. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. All right. So this is the closest to the pin question. You guys are both Melbourne people, so hoping you can get close to this one. So how long does it take, according to Google Maps, to walk – from Olympic Park to Melbourne Central via Swanston Street. Scott. Scott. 25 minutes. 25 minutes is incorrect, but it's closest to the pin. I'll give Georgia a shot. Um, an hour and a half. Oh, no. Scott is much, much closer. It's 35 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah, 35 minutes. There you go. There you go. Um, anyway, Scott's leveled this scores. It's one all. Uh Question three. So uh, you made your Hockey Ruse debut on the 28th of May 2009, I believe. So I'm going to read out the lyrics to the song that was number one in Australia on that date. So you can buzz in whenever you want and name the song to get the points. So there's a little uh, spoken intro, which I'll just uh, skip over. So here are the lyrics. Got to get that. Got to get that. Got to get that. Got to get that, 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 that. Boom, boom, boom. Got to get that. Boom, boom, boom. Got to get that. Boom, boom, boom. Georgia. Georgia. It's a black eye peas. Yeah, that's correct. But I'll need the name of the song for the point. Um, <laughs> nah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh, do you want me to keep going, Scott, or do you want to buzz in? Uh, look, I think you're going to need to get going with, uh, uh, yeah, um, oh, Black Eyed Peas. Oh, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. So uh, there's a couple more. Got to get that boom, boom, boom. Got to get that boom, boom, boom. That boom, boom, boom. That boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Now we get into the, the good lyrics. Yo, I got that hit to beat the block. You can get that bass on below. I got that rock and roll, that future flow, that digital spit, next level visual shit. I got that boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Is it boom, boom, tower? Boom. Georgia, you've already buzzed yourself out and got oh. it incorrect. So uh, we're going to, Scott's still got a chance. You didn't say uh, that I was out of it. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Sorry about that. But I've got to play by the rules here. If you buzz in and you get it incorrect. You didn't explain the rules. <laughs> uh, I, I apologise. I apologise. That's my fault. But. I can't give you the point. Unfortunately, Scott, do you want to have a crack? Do you want to be get a cheap point, play a bit dirty? Uh, I could go boom, boom, bam, bam. <laughs> That's how I go. Scott has absolutely got the point. That might be a bit unlucky for Georgia there. Might put a poll up on our Instagram story, see who was in the right there. But so, apologise for that, Georgia. Anyway, Scott's got the point. Going ahead, 2-1. Big fan of the Black Eyed Peas, Scott. Uh, you know, I just remember that Shut Up song and, and uh, that's about it. But, um, yeah, I, I can't say. I was, a, I was a little bit of a punk head in my younger days, so uh, uh, it's kind of skipped me by the, the, uh, the top 40 range. <laughs> yeah, the grand final. They performed at the grand final a few years ago, I believe. Um, but move to question four anyway. One all, a uh, very tight quiz this one. So 205 caps for the Hockey Roos Georgia. So Route 205 is a local highway in New Brunswick that runs for 38.7 kilometres along the St. John River in Madawaska County. In what country is this highway? Scott. Scott. Canada. Nailed it. Absolutely correct. 3-1, extending the lead. Uh, so uh, move to the last question, but George is actually still in with the shot because the last question – 
is a who am I question. So I'm going to start with a five-point clue, work all the way down to a one-point clue. And uh, once you buzz in, you can't buzz in again until the other person gets Okay, good off. to no, explain no, no, no. that rule, yeah. <laughs> I, I usually explain that in this section. I don't usually explain it before. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, uh, both of you in with a shot. So uh, five clues all leading to who I am. So we'll start with the five-point clue. I was born on the 27th of May, the same birthday as you, in 1975 in Clavering in Essex in England. Move to the four-point clue. Might be a bit tricky from there. So for four points, my parents ran a pub slash restaurant, the Cricketers, while I was growing up. I left school at 16 with qualifications in art and geology before going on to attend Westminster Technical College. Move to the three-point clue. Georgia needs to get it here to win. I'm now a member of the Order of the British Empire and married to Juliet Norton and have five children myself. Poppy Honey Rose, Petal Blossom Rainbow, Daisy uh, Boo Pamela. Georgia. Georgia. Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver. Is absolutely correct. Uh. Got the points. Very well done. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good comeback there. Uh, despite a bit of adversity in question two, you still managed to get the win. So good stuff, Georgia. Congratulations. Big fan of Jamie Oliver. Uh, I do. I do enjoy his cooking. Yeah, I've got a few of his books. You've got a bit of a cooking shit. blog, I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah I haven't do done much on it for years, no, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> nah, oh. in, in my in my hockey days, I had a yeah bit of bit of time to fill about on a yeah with, with some food stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, not so much time recently. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, that just about wraps us up for the quiz and just about wraps us up for the show in its entirety. So, uh, Scott, first off, thank you very much for being our special guest on this quiz. Great to have you uh, filling in for Lockie. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I realise now because we're doing this over Zoom that I should have had a higher seat. Uh, <laughs> 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 I feel like I feel like an umpa loompa. But uh, that's all right. Uh, but uh, thank you so much. It was, it was all good and fun, and uh, best of luck, Georgia, for the for, for the girls. Uh, sorry about today. Uh, yeah, a bit of a heartbreaker, but um, yeah, first half of the year obviously showed what they can do, and let's let's see if we can get it home. Yeah, finish strong in the next last two games. Um, yeah, that would be good. And Georgia, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, devoted a lot of time over, what, four days or something doing this bit of a marathon uh, <laughs> podcast. But thanks very much uh, for your generosity. It was a pleasure having you on. No, thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you so, so much to Georgia Nanscorn again for coming on the show. It was truly, I say this from the bottom of my heart, it was truly a honor, a pleasure, a delight having you on the show. I really, really enjoyed it. I hope all you listeners did as well. And of course, a huge thank you. I really appreciate Scott McNeese coming on the show. He's a legend, Scott McNeese, uh, from the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, of course. Never mind the best Essendon podcast going around. I reckon it might be one of their best footy podcasts going around, regardless of whether you're an Essendon fan. Whether you're an Essendon fan, I think you'll really enjoy some of the opinions and takes and the way they present the show. Scott and Grant, the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, is just amazing. It's really, really good stuff. So by the time you listen to this, they will more than likely have the review of the Essendon North Melbourne game out on your favorite podcast app, or maybe by Monday night, I'd say they would have it out. So go check that out, your favorite podcast app, the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. It's truly, truly one of the best footy podcasts out there. One quick thing, uh, just before I wrap up the show finally, you guys would know, uh, obviously Lockie not being here, Lockie and I are very, very busy guys. Uh, We really don't get much free time. We're working five jobs between us, both doing full-time uni, doing our sports, of course, doing the podcast, which takes a lot of effort, coming into exams for uni as well at the moment. And we are starting a big new series that you guys are going to love starting next week. It's taken a lot of effort to get off the ground, but we're really proud to uh, kick it off next week. So uh, we made a decision between the two of us to not take any grubby advertising money from any kind of 
company or organization that we don't really believe in and we don't want to take money for the sake of just making a bit of coin and promoting a perhaps unethical or dodgy business. So what we've done instead is we've started up a buy me a coffee page. I'm sure you guys all know the basic gist of this. So uh, what you can do is you can head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash where do we begin. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash where do we begin. You can make a donation to us. It can be a weekly, a monthly, or uh, you can donate however you want, or it can just be a one-off thing, which is what most of you will probably like to do. You can donate as little as $2 to us or as much as you want, really, but we'd We'd appreciate that so much because we feel like we've got a really good quality podcast here. We want to keep giving you weekly episodes, this kind of top of the range uh, editing and production that we have here. It sounds really good. I think we've got some great guests and a great show here. So if you want to help us keep it going, which is quite a struggle at times, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash where do we begin and donate as little as $2. Maybe skip the mid-strength $15 beer at the footy next weekend and uh, head there and give us two bucks, whatever you want. Uh, As little as you want, as much as you want, it's up to you. Of course, you don't have to if you don't want to. If you haven't got the money or just don't really want to give us money, that's totally fine too. But if you do want to give us money, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash where do we begin to support the show that we hope that you love as much as uh, we love making it. But anyway, uh, that just about uh, wraps it up. Really, that just about uh, ends it. So you can head to WDWBpod on Twitter and Instagram to check out our socials and where do we begin on Facebook and YouTube, of course, when we've got some great content going through there at the moment. It's really good stuff. And of course, uh, if you can't donate money or don't want to donate money, something that would be uh, kind of the next level of uh, grateful, we'd be really grateful for this. Leaving us a five-star review and just telling you, mates, about the show, we'd really, really appreciate it. We want to help the show grow. We want to get it big, especially with this big series that we've got coming up starting next week. Um, Can't wipe the smile off my face thinking about it, honestly. Uh, Anyway, guys, I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. We really do love you all. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week where we'll kick off this huge Where Do We Begin series.